Good morning. My name is Todd. I'm one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel. So glad to be worshiping with all of you today. It is Easter. This is the big day. This is our big one uh, for, for uh, Christianity. And we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Now, the truth is, and why this is such a big deal, because the truth is we are all sinners separated from God, separated from lasting life, lasting joy and purpose. And the truth is God loved us all so much that he sent Jesus his one and only son, fully God, fully man, to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross to pay for our sins. The truth is that on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, beating sin and death. The truth is we can have a relationship with God, receiving lasting life, joy, purpose, through faith. And the truth is, faith in Jesus affects more than how we celebrate a holiday. Faith in Jesus affects every area of our lives. So today, we're starting a four-part series on work and family. Because yes, Jesus even affects our work life and our family. Uh, work whether that's at home managing the household or your typical nine to five. Family, they see who we really are. They know our true character. These first two Sundays in April, we're gonna look at work and then the last two, we'll get around to family. The big idea for today's message as we focus on work and how faith in the resurrected King affects that the big idea for today's message is your work matters to God. And I know what you're thinking. Todd, it's Easter like we're happy and you're going to use that four-letter word. Work, W-O-R-K. But your work matters to God. Whether you work in the business domain, in education, whether you work in construction, government, the medical field, or whatever your vocation, your work matters to God. Now, the problem is, often in our mind, we will separate the spiritual or sacred from the secular. We'll separate Sunday morning from the rest of the week. And, and that looks a couple of different ways. One way is we don't allow faith in Christ to impact or affect our work life. The other way is we think our work, if it's not being done at church, we think our work's not that important in the grand scheme of things. We think there's not real, uh, not, we, we may, may be led to believe the lie that, that our work has no purpose. And that's not true. We want to correct that way of thinking. So today we're going to look at the Bible. God's word is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in all righteousness. And so we're going to look and we're going to go back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Genesis. The scriptures will also be on the screen so you can just follow along uh, from the screen behind me. But we're going to look at what the word of God says about this. And what we're going to discover is that your work matters to God because work is good. 
like for real, work is good. Uh, I know that it has a negative connotation. Uh, some see it as a necessary evil or uh, children often see it as punishment. Uh, in our broken world, what happens is we take something that's good and we twist it around and turn it upside down and mess it up. We do that with all kinds of good things, including work. And so because in our broken world, we've kind of messed it up a little bit, sometimes we get work-life balance out of whack, and that harms us and others. Sometimes we create unhealthy uh, work environments, and we could go on. But it's important we understand big picture that work is good. It was part of God's original creation before sin corrupted this world. So let's go to the Word of God, Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading in verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So what's happened leading up to that, this first page of the Bible, is that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and then it walks us through his work in making everything. And he says, let us make humans in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And then let's skip down to verse 31. We read, Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. Continue into chapter 2. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. Now the next few verses give us a little more detailed description of the creation of man and then the Garden of Eden. And then the last verse we'll look at, verse 15, says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. That is the word of God. And in this, we see that your work matters to God because work is good. And there's a few things that jump off the pages from the scripture uh, th th that help us understand how work is a good thing. First off, God was working in creation and he received delight from a job well done. Verse 31 says he looked over all he had made and he said, huh, I did all right. This is very good. We, we understand that because we still today delight in jobs well done. A builder completes construction on a building and steps back before moving on to the next. He's able to say, okay, yeah. It gets all the check marks. Way to go, team. A caterer is driving away, leaving a party that they catered. And going through their mind are all the compliments they received about how delicious the food was. A team, maybe your team at work, y'all complete a project you've been working on for weeks. 
or months, and you stop and celebrate it with one another. We know what it's like to delight in a job well done. God does as well. A second thing that jumps off the pages at us is that work is one of the few things we can take in significant doses without harm. So, going back to chapter 2, verse 2, says, On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So in six days, he made everything, and he rested from all his work. And then we turn the pages of the Bible into the next book, Exodus, and God is giving instructions to the people of Israel on how they are to live and, and conduct themselves. And God says, Do your work six days, rest on the seventh, it's to be holy unto the Lord. That's how we get our patterns of weekdays and then the weekend. That's how we, uh, that's where we get our, uh, uh, what, that, that shapes our pattern of gathering for worship on Sunday uh, mornings. Work six days, rest one. Notice it's not the other way around. And some of us wish it was sometimes. You know, uh, let's, let's, let's rest six days and work one. I could do that. But, but what we notice is we can do a considerable, considerable amount of work, and it is good and healthy to get things done. And it doesn't harm us. Now, there are some things that we've, we try to do a considerable amount. It does turn around to harm us. For instance... I go to the grocery store, and we need to get ice cream for dessert at the house for one evening. We're going to watch a movie and eat a bowl of ice cream. And I see that small carton that's, you know, $5. And then I look right next to it, and there's the gallon, like, jug of ice cream. And it's just $5, too. Well, I'm thinking value. And so I buy the gallon. And what happens, we eat it that first night, and that would have been wonderful. It would have been fine. But the next night... The kids go to bed, and there's still that gallon jug of ice cream. So what do I do? I go back for that one. Let's sprinkle on some peanuts and some chocolate syrup. If you do that for several days in a row, you're kind of feeling like, ugh, my body doesn't feel good. Work. We can work, 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 and it's healthy. doesn't harm us. A third thing that we notice here is work reflects God's image in us. Says God created us in His image to be like Him, to relate to Him. Out of all creation, we're to be like God, to know God, to, to relate to Him. And then He said, You are to govern over creation, you are to reign over, to tend to, to watch over creation. Now, it takes the whole variety of vocations to govern and tend to this world. God, on His own, can speak it into existence, can make it. But it takes all of our different vocations to be able to govern and manage and work creation. Some of us are artistic in our work, and we create beautiful things, and that reflects the image of our creator God. Some of us improve quality of life. Some of us manage Earth's God resources, and we work to do that. We Others help and serve other people. When we do these different things, these different vocations, these different callings on our life, when we do these things, we are reflecting the image of the creator in us. So there is dignity in all types of work. No matter what your job is, there is dignity in all types of work. No matter what your salary is, there is dignity in all types of work. Garbage collector and surgeon, lawyer and carpenter, 
pastor, and plumber. We need all of those vocations in this world. A couple of bonus uh, reasons that work is good uh, that you might use if you're trying to teach your teenage children the value of work is dollars earned and discipline learned. That's right. You put in the work. Hey, son, you're, you're going to get a paycheck, and that comes in handy. Uh, discipline learned. There are things that we cannot learn from leisure, like punctuality, responsibility, teamwork, those are valuable lessons, disciplines that we learn in work. Your work matters to God because work is good. We see this in the beginning of the word of God. And God uses it for his purposes. God uses our work, our different vocations, the different things that we do, managing households, uh, working out uh, in, in, in the public. God uses those things for his purposes. Uh, think about it like this. Uh, parents want to give their children everything that they need. They also want to help them grow in maturity and responsibility, right? So they give their children chores. I read about a mother who handed her four-year-old daughter a small pile of laundry and asked her to go place it in the laundry basket. So the four-year-old took in this small pile of laundry, dropped to her knees, alligator tears started streaming down her face, dropping to the floor, and in an Oscar-worthy performance cried, there has to be more to life than this. We've all got chore stories like that. And the reality is the parents, they could probably do the job better. And it would probably save them time to do it on their own. But they want their children to gain character. So they give them chores. They invite them into the work of the household. Well, God created the world. And then he invited us into the work of the household. He gave us chores. And there's all types of different chores that come into managing, governing, reigning over, tending to, watching over creation. In commanding us as image bearers to do that, he's inviting us into his work. He's giving us chores to do, so to speak. Psalm 145, you can turn there. The scripture will also be on the screen. Psalm 145 is a beautiful uh, song or poem about how God is provider, about how he is loving and faithful and caring. And in verse 14, we read this. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. So how does God feed every living thing? He spoke the world into existence. He could do the miraculous, the supernatural, and put bread on our plate. But what God often does is he uses the farmer... He uses the truck driver. He uses the grocer. He uses the baker for his 
purposes to feed every living thing. He's given us jobs to do. He's given us chores. He's invited us to participate in the work, and he uses it for his purposes. So many different jobs, and they all make a huge impact on our community, on this world that we live in. I want you to listen. I want you to hear this. Listen to this. Us doing our jobs well is a very important and practical way that we can love God and our neighbor. Us simply doing our jobs well is how we can love and honor God and our neighbor. Imagine if, if, if tomorrow, and some of you are going to say, oh, that sounds like a good idea when I get there. Some of you are going to say, like, oh, sign me up. Imagine if everyone quit their jobs tomorrow. Before long, there's no medicine at the pharmacy. There's no surgeons at the hospital. Before long, gas pumps dry up and travel screeches to a halt. Before long, grocery stores run out of food and there's no new supply coming the next day. Now, more than just inconvenient, very quickly we would move from culture to wilderness. And that's not governing well. That's not managing. That's not tending to. That's not working and watching over creation very well. God uses our work for his purposes. We talk about work a lot. We really do probably more than we think about it. Now think about some questions that we often ask. All right, so here's questions that we ask on a regular basis. Uh, if you're uh, talking to a child, one of the, one of the go-tos is, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, we've got a video at our house, and we play it back every now and then, uh, just so we don't forget, because it's fun. We got a video when my daughter was three years old, and we were kind of interviewing her, and we asked, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, I want to be a chicken. <laughs> we ask kids what they want to be when they grow up. We meet peers out in public, at a public event or at a party. And one of the first questions that we ask is, so, hey, what do you do? What's, what's your job? Where do you work? Those are questions that we ask. Better questions might be, if we're thinking about how work our work matters to God. If we're thinking about how work is good and how our faith in the resurrected king can impact our work, if we're thinking about that, better questions might be, what do you love about what you do? Because your work really matters. What do you love about what you do? How does your faith shape your work? I asked some friends these questions and I want to just read you some responses because I believe that it will encourage you I really believe it will, will in all of your different vocations. I asked a high-level businessman how his faith shapes his work. And he was thinking about the workplace environment there. And he said, when I see my job as an opportunity to constantly and consistently act with kindness, gentleness, and love, and to encourage good relationships with those around me, I feel very connected to what Jesus asks of his followers. I asked a couple of financial planners 
What do you love about what you do? And one said, it's inspiring to see others invest money in companies that are focused on creating products and services that improve people's lives. I love that. Another said, I get to make an impact on helping people plan for their future and make sure they're moving in the right direction. I know I'm going to do my best to help them. I definitely give them plenty of things to think about that in a lot of cases they didn't know they needed to be thinking about. Spoke with a counselor. So what do you love about what you do? And she said, I would have never guessed God would have placed a Christian counselor like me in a secular government position working with convicted felons. Get this. I love just about everything that I get to do. I get to walk alongside someone who is broken, like me, who's made regrettable mistakes, like me, but struggles to find forgiveness within themselves, especially when they're battling the lifelong disease of addiction. And how does your faith shape your work? And she said, when I get the opportunity, I'm allowed to speak truth to them. I get to share the gospel to the broken and watch how Jesus transforms their lives back together. I'm blessed to see them rebuild trust with their family, reconnect with their children, and thrive with joy in recovery. For me, work is also a ministry. A few more of these. I spoke with a teacher. Yes, a middle school teacher. <laughs> this is dangerous to ask a middle school teacher, what do you love about what you do? Ah, they're driving me crazy. He said, I'm called to be a middle school teacher. God uses me to educate and care for students and promote their flourishing. That sounds pretty important. I love my job. I love teaching middle school students. I love seeing them make discoveries and connections in math. And knowing that teaching is my calling from God, that it's one of the vocations that he has for me, knowing that teaching is my calling from God and that he uses me in this way is incredibly satisfying and rewarding. It also encourages me to strive to do my best and to keep trying to improve. I spoke with a city mechanic. What do you love about what you do? And he said, I love watching things go from not working or not working correctly to working correctly. And my faith keeps me from getting to the, and sometimes we get here. He said, my faith in the resurrected king, what we're celebrating on Easter, my faith keeps me from getting to the I don't care at all attitude that some people slip into and keeps me trying to stay positive and doing the best job possible. The last one, uh, NASA engineer said, I love my work, my callings. And he had a couple of different vocations in mind. He said, it provides financial security to my family and allows for a work-life balance. And it also allows me to leverage the talents God gave me and skills that I have acquired to worship God through the work he sets before me. Being openly Christian makes me accountable for my actions at work. What I mean is that as an ambassador, representative for Christ, it pressures me to enact biblical values. And if I don't, 
that reflects poorly on the body of Christ. My faith drives the quality of my work, my interactions with coworkers, my integrity, etc. If you look at work as a way to worship God, then you are less inclined to just halfway do it. All right. Wrapping this up, and you're thinking, really? On Easter, we came, and you're going to talk about work. (laughs) But our desire, our prayer, is that you all would take joy in knowing that your work matters to God because you spend a lot of time in your different vocations, managing the household, working the nine to five, You spend a lot of time, and we want you to know and to take joy in knowing that that work matters to God and that you can worship God through your work. Now, some simple steps that we can all take today to help us in this, because we want to make it easy because it's not complicated. Some simple steps that we could all help, uh, simple steps that we could take to help us in worshiping God through our work and taking joy in it is, one, to take advantage of some of the resources that we have. Uh, if, 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 if you don't have access to right now media, right now you can, you can go to our website right now and, and anyone can sign up. It, it takes about 30 seconds to sign up and, and to get to your, your free subscription there. Uh, you can go to Holland Chapel website, look at resources right now media, and there's a great video Bible study, uh, that you can do, that you can watch there called Redeeming Work. Excellent. Highly recommend it. Also, maybe you do, uh, the Bible reading plans on the Bible app on your phone, and there's a great plan that, that, that you could uh, take advantage of and start, start, uh, start even this week called Every Good Endeavor. Uh, about how we can worship God through our work and how our work matters to God. So I encourage you to take advantage of one of those resources. And then uh, another step that we could take is just to take, take a few moments and think about your answers to those questions. What do I love about what I do? And how does my faith How does my faith shape my work? Take some time, reflect on that, maybe even write it out, your answers. I would love to hear your different answers to what you love about what you do and how your faith in Christ shapes your work. All right, now let's walk it back to the beginning. At the beginning of this, we said the truth is faith in Christ affects every area of our life, including work. And we said the truth is we are sinners separated from God, separated from lasting life, joy, and purpose. We said the truth is God loves us all so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. And the truth is on the third day Jesus rose from the dead beating sin and death. And we said the truth is we can have a relationship with God our creator God, and we can receive lasting life, joy, purpose through faith in the resurrected Jesus. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no more work that we have to do on that front because Jesus has already done the work for us. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I ask a couple of questions this morning. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? 
the one and only Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus did what our, the Bible says he did, that he died on our behalf, and that on the third day he was raised from the dead? Do you believe that? Do you believe that everyone who calls on Jesus will be saved, will receive life, lasting, will receive joy and purpose? And if you believe that, the next question I would ask is, do you want to receive that? Many of you here have received that. And you have placed your faith in Jesus, who has done all the work for us. You've placed your faith in our resurrected king. And you've been following him for some time. Others in this room with a crowd this size, there are some who have not who have not had their heart yet connected to the heart of God. Maybe you've been to many worship gatherings, and that's great. Maybe this is your first time. And you've heard this, and you say, yes, I, I believe that, but I've never felt that, that I've been connected to God. I've, I've never felt that I've really had a relationship with Him more than just words on pages. I've never felt that, that I've really received his love and, and the, the joy and the peace, the purpose that people talk about. Well, I want to tell you that it's, it's really as, as simple as everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's nothing else to it because Jesus has done, he's handled everything else. In a moment, there's going to be words on the screen behind me, and this is just a prayer, a simple prayer. I'm going to pray this out loud. And if you said this morning, like, yes, I want to receive that, then I'm going to encourage you as I, as I read this out loud to just in your heart and in your mind, pray this, say this to God. That is calling on the name of the Lord to save you. That is that first step in beginning a relationship, in connecting your heart to God's. So... You could pray like this. Jesus, I need you. I believe you died for my sins on the cross. I believe you came back from the dead. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Please save me and help me to follow you. Amen. God makes it easy for us to call on him to receive life. And, and, and if you did just now, I want to say that I'm very happy for you and that I've been praying for you. Even though I may not know you, I've been praying for you that you would begin that relationship with God and have your heart, your life connected to him. And just as God makes it easy for us to respond to him, for us to take next steps in our faith, here at Holland Chapel, we want to make it easy for, for, for everyone to respond as well. And so we say at worship gatherings like this, there's three ways to respond before you leave this worship gathering. One, you can stop by our Connect Corner in person, in the back corners of the room here, on your way out. Uh, stop by. There are friends there that will be standing near the corners that have been praying for you, uh, that want to encourage you, 
that want to help you any way they can. So if you just trusted in Jesus, uh, or if you have any other questions about connecting here at the church, then please stop by and, 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 and speak with them and tell them, hey, I trusted in Jesus. You can also just mark any spiritual decisions on that Connect card that's there with you or, or, or through our online Connect card and texting Connect HC to 94000. And with those Connect cards, you can just drop them in one of the offering boxes that are near the exits. And then we want to be able to celebrate with you and, and help you and encourage you in next steps as you continue to follow Jesus. And then the third way that you can respond, really simple, is just to take action. And we talked about some of those earlier, thinking through what do I love about my job, how does my faith shape my work, uh, taking advantage of some of those resources, the Bible reading plans, the video Bible study. Just take action today. Uh, if you will, please stand with me and let's pray. And then we're going to sing one last song of, of victory, one last song of victory before uh, we're dismissed here. Father in heaven, you are good. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus who died on the cross to pay for our sins. And we praise you because he did not stay in the grave, but on the third day, he was raised victorious. And so today we celebrate that. We celebrate you. And we say, we believe in you. And we say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen.